everybody, and welcome back to the Saint Seiya Cosmo Cast, your favorite, hopefully, uh, podcast that goes through every single episode of Saint Seiya, apparently not necessarily in order, because if you missed last week, that's a pretty important one, because we are actually going to be doing the Netflix show. We wanted to kind of catch everybody up for season two, give our thoughts, and um, we... You know, we just wanted to dive into this while the iron's hot and get everybody's opinions. It's very different, but is it bad? Eh, we'll find out. As normal, I am Common Rider Furry. I'm doing the intro today because our um, lovely Ramses is still slightly under the weather, but, you know, we're going to power through this and make sure this gets done for you. And then I, uh, so say hi, Ramses, if you can. If not, use sign language and they'll understand. I am flipping the bird as we speak. That's not necessarily sign language. I don't know if that's uh, ASL approved. <laughs> and then we also have um, our newest recruit that's going to be along on this um, journey for better or for worse with us, uh, Benjus. Hi, everybody. And like we I can... said earlier, we today we are going to be diving into some more episodes of the Netflix Knights of the Zodiac 3D animated show. Um, we do have a couple of things that we want to talk about before. There hasn't been a ton of news I feel like our last show, we really had a ton of stuff to talk about um, because we had we just had San Diego Comic-Con and all of this information. And, you know, the second season of the Knights of the Zodiac had just started and, and everything was kind of piled up at once. And now, you know, it's either feast or famine, a little bit famine on this side. But we've got a little bit to talk to about, I believe. Um, Ramses, you did have a couple of topics that you wanted to cover before we jumped into episodes, correct? <clears throat> yeah, sorry about that, folks. Well, first things first, let me let me address like what's going on. I got COVID. Don't worry about it. I'm already fully recovered. My throat, however, it has some very, 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 very different opinions about what I should be feeling right about now. So if I finally start to like poets like this, it's because it's because my voice is still recuperating. So that's why I was like that's why I asked, hey Furry, you think you just do the intro at least so I can like teach us like at least give my my throat a little bit of a rest here. So it's like if if so I'm gonna try my best to not sound like I'm like going through puberty at the moment, but you know I make no guarantees. So like I said, yeah, you're right. We have a lot. We, we, there's some stuff that we missed out on talking about when it was kind of personal, but kind of not personal at the same time. Other one, I think. Well, I think this is a very interesting discussion we can have, and it's the stuff that we did not talk about in the previous um, episode because like we had we were chock full of stuff that we completely forgot about these two items here. So, the first item that we want to talk about, um, you guys want to talk about TV, or you guys want to talk about the video games? I think Let's we talk could... about the... Oh, goodness. Uh, I was, I was, I was going to say that we, we could probably start off with the TV and then pa- pass on to the video games. Right then, yeah, because I think you can talk a little... I think you can talk us... We can, me and Mechas can talk a little bit about what's going on with this. We recently found out, like, around three weeks ago, like, I was saying, around before, like, literally days before the recording, that, um, that we Azteca... The original, the original station, the original network that was airing Saint Seiya in Mexico, had that be uh, gotten the rights to air the series in Mexico again, and they have been airing the series every Friday. Yes, it is every Friday. Every Friday, but they're doing a block of like four episodes, I believe. Like so, they're doing it for like two hours. I I I have not seen exactly how many episodes they're uh, playing per Friday, but yes, it is more than two episodes per Friday. So advancing at a quick pace. So yeah, basically, and, and it's interesting to know about this because 
the last time they did this with them, it was on Televisa. And when they did that, eventually they they put the show on their, um, I wouldn't call it like just like a, a cable only network. It and, yeah, it, it basically ran on cable at the time. Yeah, so like it, it was at first it was on it was on it was on it was on like you know over the air TV, but now it it they relegated it to like being on on, uh, on cable and just like it really it really was like not doing any, anybody any any benefits at the time. So it's interesting to see that Sainza is airing on national television in Mexico again, like on not, I wouldn't say prime time, it's like airing at a decent time, like at a time right now where we think like many times the show should be airing and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. um, Becca, like, since you have a little bit. More, since you and me have like a lot more experience watching this, the the Spanish version of the show, like what are your thoughts? I'm actually pretty. Uh, how to put it? I personally am not that excited in the sense of like for myself specifically because uh, I I'm working at the time when they are passing the episodes and I also have access to watching the the classic series in Crunchyroll which it's in actually funny enough the classic anime is in Crunchyroll in 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 Latin American territory so you can watch the entire 112 episode uh, original series there ironically only on the Spanish dub but but at the same time, it's also a very good thing because it finally there has been like a kind of a re a, a, an attempt a new attempt to try to bring more Japanese series back into public television because there was a time where that was a very common thing to do. Many series, uh, very classic series, and not just Saint Seiya, came at, more or less at the time in the nineties and all all the way on up to the two thousands. And then there was a shift in which they kind of stayed away from public television, and you could only watch those series if they even got here dubbed in uh, public. Uh, sorry, in private uh, channels such as Cartoon Network. But uh, the fact that it returns to public television is a good thing for for the series because it it means that uh, cho- it, it, people that are interested in watching it, as well as new potential viewers, I'm specifically thinking about children that uh, arrive from school after a hard arduous day, can now enjoy the majesty of the the classic series. So I'm very happy about that. All right, very. Since you're the outsider, what do you what do you think of like what do you think of, the, of these um of, of these developments from looking from the outside? I. I I don't know because Saint Seiya is a much more culturally relevant thing than it is in the U.S. Um, Because Ben Hus or Ben Jess was saying that they like the younger kids might be interested in it over here because it did come out you know way after over here, so there wasn't that foundation of like older generations that were really excited about it, and um, it came out here in like the mid two thousands with the deep dub. I don't really want to go into the deep dub or anything like that right now because it's a little too off topic. But the general consensus was that it was too dated for younger kids to really latch on to. And I don't know if that's a uniquely American thing, but like over here, kids like we were because that was around the time we were starting to get anime like just a month or two after Japan had it instead of having to wait several years. So we were starting to see better and better quality, newer stuff at that time. And people were expecting that level of animation, that level of flashiness, that level of like high paced. And, you know, that just didn't exist in the 80s to that degree. And so a lot of kids didn't latch on to it. So I hope that it being so culturally important um, in like nerddom in Mexico, that that barrier doesn't exist as much there uh, as far as getting new kids into it. Because that's where, you know, the toy sales are going to be coming from for these like these the toys that come out for like the movie for instance and things like that is mainly going to be driven by little kids 
So they need to be into it for it to be successful. So I hope it doesn't face that same kind of block that it faced over here. Um, and also since I'm assuming, are they using the the original dub or did they redub it or? It's the it's the yes. Okay. So yeah, so they it's not going to cost them a ton to air it either. Like the Deke dub was the first time Saint Say had ever been in English. So of course they had that big upfront cost. So that could have also been a factor into it too. I just, I really hope that what I'm trying to say is I hope that it's successful. I hope that it gets kids into it. I hope that a lot of the younger generation can acknowledge that yes, it doesn't have flashy like 3D 2022, you know, A tier animation, but it still has a great story. It's still as beautiful in a classic sense and it's still super, super entertaining to watch because at the core, the story is somewhat timeless. So I'm I really hope that they pick on that instead of how it happened over here with you know the flop that it became over here that made me so sad to say. Some additional thoughts on my end here. It's like so one of the things that, that, that I think that might alleviate a lot of like of the opinions that like it might be dated and stuff like that is that they're pairing the show up uh with Dragon Ball. So you know, Dragon Ball Z to be precise. So it's like that that, that too is, is very dated and you know and this is not the this is not the, the Dragon Ball Z Kai version. This is they're actually airing the original, the, the original version of Dragon Ball on TV, on TV pairing it up with um, Saint Seiya. So, you know, it, so it's like, yeah, it might. So it might be dated as well. But I think, like, I think, I think it's a good way to, like, you know, expose children to, like, to, to these series in a, in, a, in a way that it's more accessible to them. I guess that that's, I think, for me, the most important thing that's that I find interesting about this news and why I bring it up is that. You know, in Mexico, there was always it was always something that was on TV. I, I kind of realized that since like '94, '95 is when it started. Some way, somehow, it was always on TV. Maybe there might be like a, like a block of like four or five years where it doesn't air on TV and where it's like the licensing might be up in the air. But it's always been on some network on like either Televisa, which is like one of the national networks, or Tele Azteca, another national network or Cartoon Network in, in Mexico, or you know, or at various different, different places as well. So. It's some way somehow it's always been part of like you know not not just um not not, not just of like the not just animation but I believe it's also like it's also very ingrained also too with like how TV is done in Mexico so it's, it's very important for them to, to, to it's kind of culturally it's cultural like you know it, it's something really big in the culture to have, to have this show and to have it once again airing on television so a new generation of kids can check it out and you know like yeah for us it's like you know it's whatever especially for like Beckham who's, who's working their time. And like I, even though I live right next to the border, I had to like put tin foil or tin foil over my over my uh, over my antenna to get it. And even then, it's just like just sometimes sometimes I might get it, sometimes I not. Sometimes I gotta like balance myself on a bouncing board to get it. So I'm like I'm not gonna go through all that. I'm not gonna go through all that just to, just to watch it. You know, I, like like we live in 2022. Um, some of us don't have access to it to it as easy as others. Or they have no time for it, but like for the newer people, for newer fans and newer generation of people who have more time to check it out, they they have a venue to do it in. And it's absolutely free. It's not over the it's over the air TV. It doesn't cost up anything at all to get into. That's I think the best part as well. And I I did want to say something real quick. Um, to as something that Ben just said earlier about it being available on Crunchyroll over there, and I'm hoping, just putting this out there in the universe. No, nobody. I haven't talked to anybody on the inside. I haven't seen any rumors, but I'm hoping that it can be available in many more territories since they've gotten the the Knights of the Zodiac 3D animated show 
so they can, you know, have the rest of it. Hopefully rescue that dub as well, or at least the sub from Netflix to have it on there so that people that are watching this on the platform can continue to invest and in, in look into it. So I'm crossing my fingers that that can happen in the future. It looks likely because I know that um, a lot of these platforms, when they have like a sequel or something, they actively seek out the like the prequel or the original or whatever. Um, so I'm, I'm crossing my fingers that more more territories will start getting Saint Seiya on Crunchyroll, including the U.S. Maybe please, because we miss it and we want to watch it legally. I hope so too. I really hope that uh, that comes to happen. At the very least, if not crunch, well, Crunchyroll would be the logical choice given all the current circumstances. But hope, the point is it being available in the territory. At least yeah. a physical release, something. iTunes, yeah. anything. Give give me something. <laughs> yeah, so, and, all, and, and, and and you know that was gonna be one. Like, I had a point, but I forgot it. It, it, it yeah, and you, you brought up a good point about it like being available on Crunchyroll here in the United States. And one of the things that, that that you know, looking like I don't want I don't want to go too forward into this discussion, but from what I've been hearing about the CGI series about the second season, it is a huge, huge improvement over the first over these, these first or this first season that we're watching right now. So much so it's like it's it's it, like they they find those those guys find the, everybody on the team they, they should be congratulated for like turning it around in such short amount in such a short amount of time and getting more attention to the series that it rightfully should. So now, now that they're going with the upward momentum of not just it being not not just being it on on, on Crunchyroll, but also doing really well on Crunchyroll, where the fans mm-hmm. are actually being more receptive to it in a positive manner, as opposed to how it was when it first when it aired on Netflix. And it was, we'll get to that in a little bit. So I guess we can go on to our next topic here, which is okay, again, this is more of a personal thing because it's like. It really it because that's something that involves me. So it's like like let me indulge this with you guys for a little bit. But I think too this is gonna be really cool for the fandom at large as well. So a couple of weeks back on my solo episode that I did, episode I believe 15, I discussed about a Saint Seiya video game made by Zink uh, Zinky Productions. Um he reached out to me when he said when he when he, he reached out to me well, soon after the episode aired because I, I told him, hey, I, ch- I told him a couple of your episodes on the show. And it's like, oh no, no, don't do check it out. He, he, he sent me the demo, he sent me everything. And he sent me a demo of the game in in English. That was um, not really up to par, per se. It, it, it was a, it was a, it was a good effort, but they could have been done a lot better. And I was like, you know, I got I got all this free time right here. I'll, I'll help you out with the game. I'll help you. I'll help you translate the game because I, I know how, I know Spanish and I know and I can and I have a good grasp of the English language. And I can, you know, I can spice up the the, the, the the translation a bit and give it a little bit more life, so, it won't, so people won't sound like robots. And you know, th- that demo should be already out already. It should be, it should be out like in, I believe, in the end of uh, end of July already. So there's an English version, there's an English patch that's a new English version. I believe the one point one zero one version of the game. It's, it's still it's somewhat a demo form, but the, in the English version, it has an official translation done by me. Nice. I I still need to check that out. I know you sent me the link to it. Um, things have been a little crazy personal life for me right now, so I haven't been able to. Yeah, it's actually, yeah, it's uh for anybody listening, if you are interested in playing classic style uh, Game Boy Advance uh, and Game Boy Advance Game Boy games, the the effort that 
uh, it has been put into this particular fan game is is astounding. You really feel drawn back to that era, and you really feel that, that you were yeah. That you could really feel this being an actual licensed game from back then. So it it is extremely good, and the fact that it is also that that it's both available in Spanish as well as the translation in English that Ramses has so kindly provided for everybody. I think it's something worth the effort for first people that are interested in video games, and more for people that like that type of Game Boy style classic uh, uh, beat em up fighting game uh, type of of video game. I, mm -hmm. I really recommend it. Yeah, it, it, if, you're, if you're wondering what kind of game it is, it's like it, uh, there's this, there's this game, there's this really old game that I really like playing called Rolling Thunder. It plays a lot like that. And it plays it plays a lot like like a side scroller, like you know, like action game. Like it plays just like it plays so typically like like a game that you would think that Saint Seiya would have would have made a game on. But instead, like I think I discussed this on the episode video games like Great Death, where it's like it kind of came out at a time with Dragon Quest, and instead of trying to make a, a straightforward like action game, they made like an action RPG with like elements of like uh they made the game more overtly they made the game more they, they made the game more difficult than it really should be. Like they put too much effort into thinking about the game, and they're like, they, instead of trying to simplify things, it's like they make things more complicated than it should. And that's so essentially, this game is that, but they took away all the stuff that make that that had the, the huge problems with that game. So I think so. It's a good balance of like a, a, a licensed game. And so it's like, and I, as I said before on my on that solo show, it's interesting to note where well, about this type of game is like it's the kind of game that you you would have thought Saint Seiya would have had if it would if it had a little bit more time. In the late, in the early to late nineties, to have like it was something that we discussed also on our on our on our, on our show when we did together. Um, our fairy words is like, it, I, like the the thing that I lament the most about Saint Seiya is that it missed out on like the Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, um, and, and the PlayStation Saturn that 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 part of that era because in because there's a lot of there's a lot of franchises like Sailor Moon and um, Dragon Ball that that thrived in that era. And Saint Seiya, unfortunately, got cut. It got its legs cut off around the time that Super Nintendo and the Genesis and all that stuff was starting to become more and more accessible to to people. So, you know, just, and this is the kind of game that it would have come out, in my opinion, either officially or by some Chinese company or some Russian company to capitalize on it, like as a bootleg game. But I'm really happy to be working on this game. It's really good, and like I said, I'm gonna do my best. I'm like, yes, he said he's been sending me a little bit of things, little by little. But um, it won't be done until November, so around so around that time that that, that that's when the that's when the full game comes out. And I will say this right now, like I, I have some of the stuff already. It's looking really good so far, and it won't interfere with what I'm doing with this podcast either. Because it's like it's something I'm just I'm something I can just like go on my other computer, my laptop that I, that I use to like search the internet and whatnot, and just work on it while I'm doing something else. So it's something I can do on in, in my downtime, so I don't have to be like you know. So this isn't like. Take up all the time that I'm doing this podcast. So you're wondering, it's like, oh my god, I won't take time off like that at all for for this. This is going to be something on the side, and it's something like see through the end. Of it. Yeah, I, we. I, it makes me wish that I had kept up with streaming so that I could stream it because I was. That's the kind of stuff that I was streaming. I was streaming like uh, classic NES, SNES, uh, Sega Saturn type stuff. So I wish I kept up with that. <laughs> Such a beautiful era. Just all my favorite games came out. So it's like, and like I said, it's like, it's sad. It's like that Saint Sam never got at that point because like it would have killed in that era. Yes, I, 
I personally think that Saint Seiya would have done really good with like a like Magic Knight Rearth, Sailor Moon, another story, like turn based RPG type of thing. Yeah, it, that would have been horrible. But then again, that, that's just us. Just <laughs> that's that's um, the that, kind of guy, the the kind of game I enjoy playing. So, oh uh, yeah, what I'm saying is like that, that. That was the golden era of like role playing games. Not not just not just those franchises, but like that was like that was like trying Final Fantasy Five Six, um, Chrono Trigger, Secret of Mana. Yeah, but I mean, like as far like that was that was the era that like RP, uh, JRPGs adapted anime properties very well. Uh, the Tenchi game was actually surprisingly good. I did play that after I reviewed the movie and enjoyed myself. I'm not really big on tactical stuff, but it was still pretty fun. Like they really made some banger anime video games back in the day. I think there's a, I think there's a Ranma role playing game as well. If I'm not mistaken. I'm not remember. To... I don't remember if there's an RPG, but Ranma did have quite a few games as well back yeah. then, back then. So I wouldn't I be surprised if there was. I remember, I, I, I remember, I had like, uh, like it has like, I had fight, I had some fighting games. I did just skin a couple of those fighting games here in the United States with disastrous results. I, <laughs> I, I actually played the PlayStation One version. Oh my god, that <laughs> was a disaster. Yeah, um, it must have been like me when I was playing the when I was playing the PSP uh, Sing Say Omega game. I was like, God damn it! This game feels like it's like this game looks like people are like they made a, they they took they took but they took Soul Calibur. And he made it like it was made, it was, you were be controlled by like two drunk people. <laughs> That's the best way I can describe it. It's like, oh my god, the, oh, people just move around unruly in that game. Uh, that's a that was that was that was a sketch for episode eight. When did it break? Like around episode ten ish. I I don't remember which right. specific episode it was, but we did we did cover like modern like the more modern side of the video games, and oh, that that was one that I had not played because I. I'm not the biggest Omega fan. I've been urged to rewatch it with like new eyes and give it another chance, which I plan to do eventually. Obviously, if we get that far in this podcast, I'm going to have to anyway. Yeah. Um, but uh, I do plan on rewatching Omega. But yeah, I never played the video game, so I never because I just never searched it out. Um, but you know, we're in the era of phone games right now, so it's it's really nice to see that. You know, the team that's working on this game is so passionate about it. And then, you know, you're making sure that us, you know, non-Spanish speakers, us monolinguals <laughs> can enjoy the game, too. Because um, as much as I like to pretend like I can understand Spanish, I would probably have a panic attack and stop playing after two minutes. It's pretty straightforward. Anyway. And so that's the good news. It's like it's like it's pretty much like get to point A to point B. So it's like. But a lot of the dialogue, a lot of like this, a lot of the dialogue in between is like I have to retranslate a lot of it. But um, it's re- it's really interesting. It's like I, I like I said, like I had to, I had to like relearn a lot of the elements, especially the elements like they inserted here in the, in the American, not the American, yeah, the American version of like the, of the scripting. So like I had to like look through a lot of like what the manga is doing and what the what the new dub is was doing as well with the new Netflix dub, not, and then some elements from this series as well. So there's a little bit of everything. It's like you know, I want to take a lot of what I want to take a lot of those those positive aspects that I liked about the, about all of it. Even the even the CGI series, there's some things I liked about the CGI series, and they're gonna be just thrown in there. And I won't, like I said, like I know, I, but, I won't, but I won't be overt either. I'm gonna try to make it like as organic as possible to 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 to, to the series itself. I won't. It won't be like suddenly this jarring new new elements. Like wait, what? 
So I'll, like I said, I'll do my, I'll, I'm going to do my best to like make everything look organic. I just want this, to, I want this game too for, for people who like don't speak Spanish to like have at least an opportunity to check it, check it out. That's pretty much about what I We but, can tweet out where to get that demo so that people yes, can, can, and you can check it out. And once, and once, and once, once a little bit starts getting, being ramped up, like I want to say like around October-ish, that's when I, I, you can expect a little bit more, more like updates from me concerning more like what's been going on more internally with like the scripting and stuff like that. I'm also, I'm also like, I was originally going to have um, Zanky on the show, but unfortunately timing, it just wasn't working out for like me but him. But we do plan on the future having him on the show and I can at least have like, unfortunately since he only speaks Spanish, I can, I'll, I'll at least try to like you know translate this. I'll have like a, at least put up the translation as like as we speak as we so I can have a so you guys can understand to the to, to the fans that only speak English. Me like me. <laughs> well, speaking <laughs> speaking of the CGI st- series though, that's our our main goal for today. Um, I got a little bit of feedback from the last episode that I'm sort of a hater, but also sort of justified. So I don't know which direction to go with this, um, with my critiques of the rest of the series. I did enjoy this group of episodes more. I think it's because it started to fall in line with the story a little bit better. Like, I I understand they've got to, they, they changed locations and stuff. And there's one scene that they completely removed, which is one of the most iconic scenes in all of St. Seiya. And they removed it, of, of course. Um, but I, I feel like the changes that they made it are starting to be mitigated and I can see the shift towards it being a little bit closer to the canon. Name changes are still weird. Um we had I know we had one name change in these episodes. I think it was just one, wasn't it? For the characters that got introduced? Yes, it was well Moses. Nero, yeah, no uh, Iki, well in Iki slash Nero was introduced in episode four, so technically speaking, yeah. The only one in this batch of four episodes we've seen, the only one that got his name changed was uh Moses for Morris. What was the name? Morris, thank you. I can understand that because religious references in Japan are a little less um I don't know if I'd use the word controversial. They're a little My less God. Yeah, yeah, like no 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 it dawned on me the whale Moses. Oh my god. Yeah, and he parts the sea whenever he does his intro. Just click Jonas in the whale. Yeah. Anyway, keep going, keep going. I'm done. I'm gonna sit wow. Wow, <laughs> I caught on to that like instantly and I was like 10. <laughs> anyway, the yeah, so the, the we because the other guy, the unfortunately, I put them down as uh daddy and twink, so I can't remember the other guy's <laughs> name, like Astoria or something like that. Asterion, yeah, yeah, his name was the same, yeah, yeah, so, he kept his name. We didn't have a ton of changes. One of the biggest changes we did have was, um, and, and I think both of you thought I was going to be mad about this. I, I think both of you made comments about me possibly being mad about the Black Saints, but <laughs> I'm not really mad. I think it's because I really like Cassius, and he it, like he makes so few and far between appearances across you know Saint Seiya as a whole that like I wasn't mad. The because. As much as I love the original Black Saints, they're kind of like an anomaly because they're like clones of well not it doesn't it doesn't go into detail as to who they are, but they look exactly like the Bronze Saints, even down to like the hairstyles, just with palette swaps. They have the same powers basically. 
um, with the little tweaks here and there. And it nobody bothered to really explain into detail why, because up until, as far as the lore is concerned, up until like right before the Galaxian War started, they didn't even know that Seiya was going to get the armor. So how did they know to have like a Seiya like evil clone? I don't know. It didn't make a lot of sense. But in in this context, they are uh, the Black Knights are um, the people that didn't quite make it. Like Cassius is one of them, and the other ones they don't reveal who they are, even though they look disturbingly also like Cassius. But that's never addressed. Um, but it's the the knights that didn't quite make it to the finals or didn't quite get the the bronze armor in their respective regions. So I thought that was a cool twist. We have mixed feelings towards them because on the one hand you're right. Like if you if we want to get uh, like very point point out the fact is that despite how many of us might feel otherwise, the Black Saints are not very well particularly developed characters. And yeah, and outside of them having the names Black Pegasus, Black Andromeda, mm-hmm. Black Dragon, etc. Okay, maybe you could argue that Black, that Black Dragon is the most uh, interesting one because just how he's... Uh, evilness <laughs> makes him shine in, in the episodes that he appears but the other ones don't really have that much going for them so the argument of saying well from what they were originally were to what was done here it doesn't really make that much of a difference in the grand scheme of things and it is and as much as i hate to admit it indeed it is like it doesn't really affect the the end result the, the black saints were only supposed to be like lesser villains that would give way to the bigger villains which in this mm-hmm. case is the saga that we're entering which is the silver saints so i i i i have a, i also share that sentiment because on the one hand i i hate seeing cassius here the, the fact that he okay uh, let's contextualize because cassius gets brought back into as i believe it's episode yes into episode five as a black mm-hmm. saint and he fights seiya while he's chasing Iki and the other black saints and uh they have a fight, and I have mixed feelings because on the one hand, it kind of... I don't know. It doesn't really affect what is what the role Cassius is going to end up playing in the uh, Leo Temple, because I'm sure they're going to be able to get that way around him being here to that part, mm-hmm. especially because it is heavily implied if he survives everything. But... Uh, I don't know. Like it's like, it's like the one thing I don't like seeing him there, but he's already there, and I did enjoy seeing him like fighting one on one with Seiya. So, yeah. I I think aesthetically, I I what I like about the Black Saints as far as the original is the aesthetics. Like they look cool. It was cool to see because eventually a lot of there's a lot of variant colors of armor once we get to like the Hades arc and stuff like that. Everybody everybody gets a purple armor. All of you. And then a lot of them get gold armors in, in their original style. So, like, these color variant type of things and, and uh, power-ups, for lack of a better term, happen. So it was cool to see it so early on. But outside of the aesthetics of it, like, I like I would love to have, like, figures. I've said that before, of, of the OG Black Saints. But in, like, a storytelling thing, for them to make sense, I like the way that the CGI series did it better. I, I get what you say about Cassius and, like potentially maybe jeopardizing what he does later on but i think it'll be a good villain heel turn type of moment um when we get to that i think they can still work with it because um we mentioned in the last episode that they really want for season two they really want to go back to um following the manga more closely 
but they kind of have to keep going with some of the pre-established stuff like the prophecy and some of these other things that don't line up as well. So I think this is just another instance of where they can like meld what they've already done and keep it canon, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But it, it was just nice to even that even that was just like a one throwaway line, basically, to have some kind of development or some kind of reason for the Black Knights to exist and who they actually are. I, I, it felt nice. But again, they don't look as nice. Um, for some reason, they all have the same character model. I guess it was just to save money. But they all have Cassius's character model, but nobody pointed that out. Like, did each region just have a big, beefy, burly guy that came in second? Like, Cassius got, like, five brothers? Like, what's going on? I did think that, too, as well. It did bother <laughs> me that they all looked exactly the same, and they were all super buff men that... As, uh, uh, that that's like one of the gripes that I did have with that part. Also, I, one thing that I want to mention, and you mentioned this prior to, prior to this, is that it 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 the it seems that like it start the show starting to leave behind some of the things that made it not particularly good about its original ideas and and starting to take mm-hmm. the 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 adaptation aspect of it more faithfully, quote unquote. Uh, that's when I actually. That's what I wanted to mention. That funnily enough, my my expectations were already pretty low from the last batch, but but have been getting higher for this specific season so far, as as they began with the Silver Saint. So we'll get to that as we move on to the next episodes. But yeah, I'll say that from being completely low to at least getting higher, not to the degree of the second season. We'll get to that when we get to that, but. Yeah, I, I I am starting to enjoy the series uh, now, ironically. And, and to kind of... Uh, I feel like Ramsey's just left the chat. <laughs> just, I'm still just, here. Just to kind just, of... I'm, like, I'm, 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 waiting, I'm, I'm patiently waiting for you. Just waiting for, waiting for you to open, the, open a lane for me here. Uh, so, but I, I just want to say one more thing, though, because it, it really has to do with what he was just saying. Um, like, the, yes, they are leaving behind some of the things that weren't working, but they're keeping some of the things that are. I really like that even this far into the show, I know it sounds weird with five episodes to say this far into the show, but I mean, we only have 12 episodes, so this is pretty far into it contextually. But this far into the show, they're still questioning Burnt Sienna, whether she's actually, you know, the deity that she says that she is, and if they're on the right path, and if they really should still be following her. Like, it's it it just it feels a little bit realer, I guess to say. So I'm glad that they kept that in there. And um yeah, so episode five was basically just the Black Knights. My my main thing that uh, that bothers me about this show is it feels like each episode is so like none of the episodes bleed into each other very well. Each episode is so focused on one thing and then it'll jarringly switch to the next thing. Like this episode was episode five was all about the Black Saints. All about the, like they're it's just them going at it or whatever and fighting, and they get all their fighting done, and then the next episode completely switches to a new topic and moves on, and it just it seems a little like the like they when they planned out the story they're like okay episode five is going to be all about the Black Saints and then episode six is going to be all about yada 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 like don't want to get too far ahead of everything but you know you, do, does that make any sense like yeah they, I, I it, get what you mean. They don't feel super connected at this point, which I'm hoping is something that they improve on. I actually want to touch upon a, uh, a topic about this episode regarding uh, 
uh, Athena. But uh, I want Ramses for for to, to give his opinion first before I go back to that. Um, you want to know my opinions? I, I like on one hand, I do I like I do appreciate they they put a little bit more effort and a little bit more backstory to the Black Saints. Like you, like I think I think Conrad Furry and you guys fully correct. It's like they were kind of like it's inexplained as to like why why these clones are like Seiya, Shun, Iki, and Yoga. GDU suddenly appeared and like exactly like they are. It's like how does that how does that work? But um, and I do another aspect that I think I, I really enjoyed is something that like you, something that you guys didn't mention. It's like these are all tech based guys, man made um saints, and and you know and they, they and one of the things one of the one of the things I find interesting about that is that they it's all like all these enemies are are like are power are powerful machines. And it's a great contrast to like you know the saints who have like ancient power, you know ancient mystical power. Here it's like man-made yeah. like through technology. So it's it's a good it's a good yin and yang between both both of these these um these fractions factions where you have Van der Gerard and his unit of like saints that are are essentially programmed and you know distributed and like you know mass produced as opposed to like Athena saints who are like trained and hone their skills and learn their abilities through. You know, becoming part of the part of part of the galaxy within themselves. So I think I find that I find that aspect really, really strong, really, really interesting. If when you start to break it down like that, so they give a little bit more depth into into what the Black Saints are. I do appreciate that. I I, I do I will agree uh, with you, Benkas, on on them using Cassius. I was not in favor of it because, like, yeah, it does. Like, we now question like what's going to happen much later. And I think like one of the weird things is like what is going to happen later. But I think like how things I mean, as early as like episode seven when we get to like the second part of the first season, but as what they would quote unquote call the second season, what Netflix would call the second season of the series, you can tell that that, that things are starting to like turn around. Like, like, there are still some weird growing pains even in episode six, but starting around that point, like episode seven and eight, I think we were starting to see a little bit more like like the things are starting to. Be more, we're starting to see everything feel a little bit more like a Saint Seiya series. So, and like one of the things, and like so, so going back to it, it's like I, I do appreciate on one hand them, them putting in um, Cassios because like he, he, I do feel really good that he that he should have a little bit more important that he should be more like a pain in the ass to say aside. But the other, it's like we kind of there is something that later on he has to play a major role, and that's something so you know what how is that going to work out. And one of the things I find is like this, like one of the things I'm starting to notice, like because I won't go like now. Now I'm going to go into like the stuff that's currently on and on the the Crunchyroll version, the, the the current CGI season. They're doing some interesting things to course correct, and they did some interesting things to the point where it's like, okay, I'm with you on this part. Like I can now if since you're doing it this way, I am not one thousand percent against this now. So so now that I kind of have a general idea of what the what the, how things are going to be playing out. I now don't feel um, concerned, but I do feel like they like like I do feel like this should have been unnecessary. They should have planned this out a little bit better. Yeah, definitely. So, so that's what, so that's like episode that's episode five pretty much in a nutshell. It's like you know do this and then they go to the next thing right here, which is episode episode. No, this is episode five. Then we get to episode six. 
yeah, though, before we jump to episode six, there is like a couple of things that uh, kind of bothered me about uh, the, re the revelation of Athena. Uh, okay, so in, in the classic anime, which was uh, Toei's interpretation of what happened in, in the manga, uh, basically ha they have like this big emotional and like revelatory scene where Tatsumi reveals that the, the past of, of Saori, who was completely unaware of her being Athena. And the, the scene, even though it's very different from what we have originally in the manga, the way that it is played out, because of the music, because of the dialogue, because of the epicness of how it is portrayed, it, it is very, very epic to watch. And, uh, like, the scene originally in the manga, it's very, it's very funny how the response was from the Bronze Saints to that, because it was very negative compared to what people who only saw the anime was. I don't want to get into too much detail right now. I'd prefer if we ever get to touch upon the, the, the manga itself to delve to more on that. But the way that they handle it here... Okay, we already know that Saori knows that she's Athena. We, we know this from when uh, Hyoga was about to attack her and, and she convinced him uh, of not doing so, I assume, because of the power of her Cosmo. But the fact that here is just like, uh, Hyo is like, no, she's, she's Athena. And they was like, what? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, cool. I, I, I found it to be so... First of all, it takes less than five minutes, the reveal. The way that it is done is so... Uh, bore. It's boring. It's boring the way that they revealed. It's something that's so important and that has like a very big impact on, on how the characters perceive Saori and how they... they, they practically go forth in, in, in committing to, to, to her uh, as uh, her protectors. I thought it was done very poorly here. And also I found it incredibly stupid that they started uh, putting backpipes as the background music when she was knighting them, down. like the Queen of England. I was like, what is it, the bagpipes? I don't understand. Right. Oh, I blocked yeah, that I... out of my memory. Yeah, I just wanted to point that 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 was incredibly stupid. <laughs> that was a very bad decision. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it was. No, I, I, I'm, I'm not gonna piggyback on that. Just no bagpipes anymore, please. Yeah. <laughs> so any, any other thoughts? Any, yeah. any other thoughts from the episode? From this episode, next? from this episode, I'm fine. I, I'm fine to move on to the next one if you guys are. Yeah. All right. I, I uh, so my. This episode, I, I wrote a lot of notes on how I felt about something really minor that happened, but for some reason really bugged me. And just so everybody knows, um, my medication prevents me from drinking, so I wasn't drunk this time. Wasn't, it was completely sober. But So this was just my brain being weird. But the, again, this might be closer in line with the manga. I really should get on reading the manga. I'm an anime child, I'm sorry. Um, but... There is an interaction between Doko and Mu at, towards the beginning of the episode. And Mu is being treated and sort of also acting as a young and experienced person. Like, he keeps talking about how he still has to learn, he still has to grow, and he needs to assess situations better and make sure that he only intervenes when it's absolutely necessary and stuff like that. But in the 90s, or the, sorry, not 90s, the 80s anime... He's kind of like the the Bronze Saints like like father figure. That's not exactly what I mean, but like the the senpai situation almost. Like he's yeah. very you know res restrained, and he knows what he's doing. He encourages them to think smart and to you know think strategically 
and all of this kind of stuff. But in this version, he is much more not exactly childish because we still have Kiki to fill that role. Um, I love Kiki in any iteration, but he's still very he's treated as being inexperienced and he kind of acts inexperienced too. And that really threw me off because the over the course of the episodes we're watching, there's a couple of different instances where he comments that he's got a long way to go or something like that. But in the in the original interpretation and Toei's interpretation, he was like basically a god <laughs> for for quite a while until we started meeting the other, you know, the other gold knights and stuff like that. So it just it really threw me off. I don't know how you guys feel about it though, because it was really minor. It was just a couple lines here and there, but it felt like it really changed his character. And also, like he it... looks younger. Yeah. Well, the looks I, I think would uh, pointed more towards the animation, but now that you mention it, actually, Mu is a very I think that he's probably the character so far, and I'm including the second season in this, although we, we'll get to that later. Like, he's probably the most different uh, out of the gold saints so portrayed so far. Like, for, for, like, he's probably the most changed. And not necessarily for good. I wouldn't say that for bad either, but not for good as well. Like, the interpretation that they're giving him so far has been interesting to say the least particularly because they had to like force him in like this scene was specifically made to introduce Mu because they completely skipped over the whole aspect of the of the clots dying in the fight between Seiya and, and Shiryu and the and Mu having to repair them since and since they pr practically failed to do that they had to introduce him somehow and right. I I, th I think that the idea was good but not the execution because like, they introduce him here as being very eager, wanting to intervene, like, oh, Master Doko, we have to do something. We have to participate. We have to take us not take a side. They know what, they're, what side they're on, but it's like, we have to do something. Which is in contrast to what he does in the manga, which he's completely in sync on, with Doko's intentions. The reason why the Gold Saints never participate and never lift a finger to help Athena when she's dying in the Twelve Temples, the ones that are faithful to her, is because they believe that this is a proof from the, well, I'm going to say the heavens. What I mean is by the gods. Like, it's a divine test for her that if she's able, if she is really destined to be Athena and to lead them to victory through the, the battles, well, they were expecting only Hades and then Poseidon appears and whatever. But if she is to <laughs> succeed in that, then she must be able to endure the, this test. And and the Saints of Hope are the representatives of that, of that uh, destiny. And they completely throw out throw that out of the window with this interpretation here. So it's like, uh, I get what they're going for. I think it works for this specific show, but I don't, I don't particularly like it. I am really conflicted on it because it one on one side, it gives him a little bit more distinction from the rest of the gold Knights. Um, like, cause he, he wasn't the biggest personality, I guess is the, the best way to put it in the original. Like, he was very reserved and very quiet, and several of the Gold Saints had that same kind of demeanor, so I feel like this kind of sets him apart a little bit. But it just feels weird, because I'm so used to him being, like... Because he was, outside of flashbacks, really, he was, like, the the first Gold Knight that really got a lot of exposure. I know that Leo popped up for that weird, you know, fight in the woods or whatever, but he was, and he was the one that also kind of set up the precedent of gold saints aren't evil; they're just led astray type of thing. So they're these aren't bad guys. 
you shouldn't be trying to kill them. So I don't know how that's going to work out either once we get to the second season, because I'm, again, watching this for the first time. But it was it was a weird change. And I know that's such a small thing to focus on in this episode that barely features him at all, but it just really struck me as such a weird decision. Not necessarily bad, just weird. It is weird, and it's something pointing out because this is going to come up later when we get to season two, mm-hmm. because it's like a very huge background for that. But but uh, also, well, that's what when it comes to Mu, and also I think I think that while they had good intentions and it is in character with uh, Doko, like with all Doko being like that, like you're too eager, you're too young. I think that they were being too. Not subtle, not subtle at all, at all about uh, the way that they made Doko like show his calmness. I think they could have handled that a bit better. But in, anyway, that that is the first part of the episode that then transitions into the main aspect of this episode, which is going to be the battle against Iki. Uh, which what is 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 interesting because on the one hand, it still shows some of the weak aspects of the Netflix original, well, well, of the original aspects of this series that, that cling on to this episode. But at the same time, it also starts to show some of the brilliance that's going to come out for, for the later episodes that are starting to ad- attach a little bit more to the to the adaptation aspect of it. So it's interesting, to, to say the least. What would you guys think about this episode? I, one of the things I find interesting is like, you know, I, I, we, I know you and I, I know you, Matt has, you, you read the manga and I've, I've read, I've, I'm currently going through the manga as we speak through the app, the Stolen Jump app. And so I'm, I, I read the first, I read the first couple of books. I went, I got to like, I got to like book 12 and then I had to stop. So just around the time that the, just around the time that the, just around the time the Sanctuary Arc ends. And I remember I was, that's where I stopped the last time. But what I find interesting is like, what they're doing is instead of trying to follow the the anime, they're following more closer to the manga, and that's always been one of the things that I find that, that, that I'm sorry that one of the things I noticed very 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 when around this point not honestly early on like around this point and it started hitting me on the head it's like okay I I see now what they're trying to do instead of trying to instead of trying to do their own thing or try to try to copy the anime they're slowly transitioning the series to be more of a faithful adaptation of the manga and they're doing a lot of more manga only things in it and i find that part really interesting i found that aspect really interesting especially with like how they how um Iki was being treated and stuff like that um i feel though my only problem is like it feels like we are we're absolutely going i felt like this could have been prolonged a little bit longer like i feel like this should have been something that's like it should have been at least two episodes but like you know when you're when you're Committed to only doing twelve episodes, you know. Yeah, everything. You gotta get everything out quickly. You got everything quickly. You gotta tell all the exposition quickly. You gotta tell. You gotta tell everything as quick as possible. I think that's the biggest problem. It's like when we get back to when we get to the flashback when he's remembering all of his training back at Death Queen's Island. It's like he says, "You've been here four years. What have you learned in four years?" And it's like, and then after that's like, "You've been here for seven years now." Like, what the fuck, man? The I I can I actually sort of disagree on that. I'm sorry. Um, Go on. Just because you know, it, because we kind of touched on this in in a few episodes before. Because um, it's especially bad in in the Silver Saint arc, where it's just all of these flashback episodes, and the flashbacks take up the entire episode, and they sort of drag. Even the more interesting ones, like uh, Shiryu's flashback with his old rival, the episode that that took place in that. It really felt like it started to drag on for a while, so I appreciate them kind of condensing the flashback. We still got the gist of, you know, 
Ono needs to be full of hate. He needs to be the the worst. He's something. There's something's got to happen to piss him off. We saw just enough of his interactions with Esmeralda to get the point across that, like, he at the very least saw her as a friend, probably more than that. And her getting killed was the thing that snapped, just like in the original. They just condensed it a lot. And while I, in the anime, it kind of makes up for it because, you know, you got the the beautiful, like, long panning shots and you've got the beautiful music and stuff, stuff that they don't really accomplish here. So I think it's a good trade-off to make these flashbacks a little bit shorter and a little bit more manageable and a little less cumbersome. Because it was only about a third of the episode, the flashback, and then we get back to the fighting and I, I felt like it just, I felt like it didn't pull the whole episode down. Um, and that happens occasionally with some of the flashback episodes in the original anime for me personally, because like, I, I love getting backstory, but there's a such thing as like, you know, we're, 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 we got 22 minutes. Let's, <laughs> let's do something else with our time here. Let's, let's move the show along, you know? So I appreciate that they made it smaller. So I kind of feel the opposite. I'm glad that this was the flashback wasn't the whole episode because the I, I was starting to feel like it might be towards the beginning of that flashback. Um, but I'm glad that they continued the fight after it was over. When it comes to the flashbacks, I think that in this episode it was handled pretty well because it was consistent with both uh, how it was done in the original anime and in the and the manga it's like Iki's past even though it does take like an extra chapter because his past was uh, originally like even though it is included in, in it was included in the Tango Bon originally it was uh, Gaiden an extra chapter that got released uh, later than when the fight originally took place in, in when the publication of the manga was still ongoing so it is only like a chapter long, so it is consistent with with the length and and the way that it is presented is uh, it is more an adaptation of the anime than it is of the manga mm-hmm. because in the manga uh, Esmeralda is not the son of the daughter of Guilty. She's a slave girl that was uh, that was sold to a farmer from Dead Queen Island. And that actually Iki gets to 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 beat up because she he he was beating Esmeralda up, and she just happened to be the, a casualty during that last encounter uh, last encounter with his master. But uh, well, anyways, uh, uh, well, then it transitions to a, an adaptation faithful to the manga, in which he has to go and retrie- retrieve the Phoenix Cloth, which in the original anime he had to go and fight the Black Knights, and that's how he became the leader of them, by defeating the 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 the, the, the four the four main ones, the Pegasus, the Andromeda, the, the the Dragon and the Sickness one. And and then he beats Django, the de facto leader of the of the Black Saints, who appeared in the original anime and, uh, and he appeared like a, a soft leader that, that then took over Death Queen Island after Iki left, but in the original manga he was the leader of the Black Knights and Iki had to fight through them and he kills Django to get the Phoenix Cloth. But then they adapt the scene with Shaka, which I was really surprised to see because I wasn't expecting to see that here. Like, uh, one aspect that got didn't make it in the original anime was that uh, Shaka actually is the first gold saint we see with his cloth in the series, and he appears to, to Iki. In the, in the manga, he appears, uh, he was sent by the sanctuary to punish and to kill the, the black saints. 
but when he arrives there, Iki has already beat him, beating him to it, and that's when they have their little encounter. But here, here they adapted to. Well, uh, we heard that he was training a, a saint to be evil, but I sense no evil here. So it was an in, an interesting decision, but a good transition from for an adaptation of that scene. So it was it was very good to see that here. I really liked it. I, I, just, I, I and I know that we talked, and you said that it was. A poor translation, but pretty much what was said from the manga. But I just love that Shaka gave him the speech about, you know, all being humble and remembering that there's always somebody above you or whatever. And then he said, but now you will forget everything you've seen here. And I'm like, well, why did you give him that speech? Like, why did you tell him to remember all this stuff and then erase his memory? This was such a waste of time. It was glorious. Yeah, and then I, we, get, we get to the actual fight. Yeah, yeah, actual fight. Like, it, it pretty much just sums up like he, like we get. To, what I find is it's, it's like they just cut to the chase with this fight. Like, like all of a sudden we're like we're doing we're doing a whole entire thing with Say already getting everybody's pieces of the cloth and then using it. Like those set up no nothing. Like hey, let let's just fucking go. Let's just go to the let's cut to the climax already and start doing having this fight already at, at like at, at at end already. Which you know in a way it it sort of works as like you know you know Say has already kind of like been beat up trying to like try to beat Cassios and. Previous episodes and stuff like that, but you know, like I, I can I said, I kind of wish that they did. Like, yeah, I kind of wish that they had like they they, they escalated more instead of like getting right right to that. The, I agree with you there. The execution, uh, okay. I don't. I didn't want the fight to last like three episodes. It should. It should have probably. But I think one more episode would have really benefited the the the, the fight. Because the fight, I have mixed feelings towards it. On the one hand, I did like it. I think it was an improvement to the previous things that we had been, we had seen prior to this. But at the same time, it's still. You, this is one of the examples where you can point and say this is where the animation in this series, and I'm also including season two on this because even though it has improved quite a bit, it, you can still feel the remnants of what seems to be the, the animation choices now, not not the script, but the actual animation. And it's still the same problem with what we said last episode. It, it lacks impact. It lacks like a, uh, a sense of, of, of uh, movement, of, of impact, of, I don't know, of consequence, because all, at most what you see is the clots getting a little bit dirty. And, and this is not how it should be. If you're not gonna put on the the blood and you're not gonna like top up the tone down the violence that was present in the show, you can still do that, but show show actual consequence for it. It feels like we're watching two. I think somebody else described it like this, and I kind of agree with that. Sometimes it feels as if we're watching two action figures fighting, not an animated scene. Right. Yeah. I I didn't. I didn't mind the animation as much for this fight. I could tell that the, a little bit more of the money went into this because the, the character models looked a little bit smoother. My main problem with this scene is just they they kept talking about the power of friendship. And I'm like, you guys have known each other for like 45 minutes. What do you mean? Like they... It, it's not like in the original where they were all orphans growing up together. Like, they literally all just met when this tournament started, like, less than a day ago with the freaking talking manhole cover that I'm glad will never come back. Please don't ever bring it back. And and they, they're just like, we're going to defeat him through the power of friendship. I was like, up until, like, ten minutes ago, Magnum Dong was, like, about to kill everybody here. And what what do you mean the power of friendship? <laughs> like... I understand the bond between Seiya and Long Dong because they, you know, 
they had that fight and uh skater boy say i saved his life but the rest of them i don't kind of get like i i know that it's a trope i know it's a common thing even within saint Seiya as a franchise that like the power of friendship it's just something that you know we're gonna have to deal with dealing with this age demographic type of show but it just felt really hollow of them like being best friends it felt very lunar dragon song and that's a deep cut that i don't think anybody's gonna understand but me but i digress yes i agree the execution was not good because you cannot deny that one of the core essences of saint Seiya itself is the power of friendship but it is not the what has be what has become the trope of the power of friendship is like yes f- friendship is there and it, it is a motive but it is not the power that is going to magically give me the advantage to defeat the enemy it's a motivation right. that is so high that it allows the the in this case the characters to go beyond their limits and and sec- and, and and use their own uh, their own skill their own power their own self and to push it beyond their normal limit but here it was done like the very stereotypical power of friendship uh, trope in any regular ass anime that you see nowadays and one of the things that bothered me and uh, about this particular scene is that throughout the scene in the original the the other the other saints they were unconscious so the fact that they in, in a way lend their power to say uh, was even more of a miracle that it is argued that a little bit had to do with the with the will of the gold sagittarius cloth a uh, helping seiya but here they're 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 not unconscious they're just like uh, yeah seiya go on and they kept talking it was like shut up please shut up what I, what I wish they would have done is something more um more akin to them becoming friends over this not them claiming like like how awkward would it be if because like ben just you and i haven't known each other very long we've known each other longer than these characters have known each other though for transparency but like if i just stepped into a conversation said yeah me and my best friend benjas here are gonna take you down and you're just like i met you like three weeks ago what are you talking about (laughs) like that's the vibe that i got so if they had instead approached it with more of a um say you've got to trust us like we're in this together now we don't we might not know each other but we have to at the very minimum trust each other and the trust had like him giving in and trusting them had given them his power given him their powers that would have made more sense within the context of the story for me but them just shouting yay friendship and you know pulling out a magnum gun and shooting somebody is the equivalent of what happened in the scene like they're just like <laughs> we've decided that we're best friends we all got matching you know heart pendant rings and we're ready to go I don't know. I yeah. just, I, I said that I wasn't going to tear it apart, but this part really bothered me really bad. Yeah, I don't. I, I, and I guess, and you know, you two hit you know good points. It's like you're you you bring a really good point, Furry. It's just like, oh my god, yeah, you're right. These these guys have known each other for like less than a day, and, and like everybody in this in this in this Discord call is, has known known each other for like more time more time than these characters have in story in storylines. It's like, yeah. I, I like I understand I understand why I understand um, the importance of it, and you know you but they could have been they could have been handled very differently. They could have like done something where it's like you know instead of it being the power of friendship, it's like them under like it's like this mutual like agreement of like look if 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 Nero if Nero or Iki or whatever you want to call him what's what's the name what's the colloquialism what is the common writer for colloquialism for Nero at this point. 
His name is Ono. Okay, Ono. Okay, so we gotta beat Ono at this point. If we gotta beat Ono at this point, you know, we have to we have to put our heads together and like put our put our fate put our fate in, in, in Skater Boy's hands here. Because like, he's the only one left that, that that stupid enough to like take him out. Oh, and just uh, it's off topic, but I, I I know people are gonna ask. Um, his, uh, Ono's master's name is Problematic Daddy. That's his name. <laughs> yeah, because he got the body, but like he also like killed that girl. That's his daughter. So I mean, it's pretty problematic. Uh, yeah, um, but like I said, yeah, it, 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 it like when I saw that, I was like, wait a minute, we're, we're doing this already at this point. Instead of like instead and, and Banka's probably a good point. It's like it, it's like we should have seen like I understand them not wanting to go too deep into the blood and gore and stuff like that, but have them like get have them fight. Have them fight for have them fight at least for like five minutes. Give them like a good five minute ass kicking. That that and, and then maybe you can start doing that. Maybe that, that's why it's like I felt like oh we go we go to the back. That's why it's like literally when I start saying that like when I go back to the episodes like all I can remember is like. This happened, like the the back the, the they have they start to have a fight and then um and then Mandong he he put he put he reverses a he he pulls a, a, a new reverse card on 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 Ono and then yeah, we start the having a flashback card. yeah card <laughs> and then and then we're just and then we're and then we then it's like and then we're at the climax of the fight I'm like where is like the middle of this well I I'm glad though that. Uh, they let Magnum Dong do something there for a minute, like and get get the essentially the first hit on him, basically, because nobody else was able to touch him. And then he, who who knew that you could reflect an attack with an ice block? I don't I don't know, but um, he actually got to shine for a second, but then instantly just like got knocked over. I was gonna say knocked out, but you're right. He was. They were all still conscious, as as we said earlier, but it was. It just it was weird. I I will like say they fell that, asleep. They're like, uh, 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 I'm gonna lay down. And it's so weird because um, while most of the Silver Saint arc, and we we've said it a hundred times, most of the Silver Saint arc is a slog to get through because it's very obviously padding for them to let the manga get a little bit further ahead and to develop the characters a little bit more. And it's got all of these like throwaway silver saints that only last a half an episode. But obviously the misty part is really important because that's that's Saya's first like big breakthrough with because he always there's always that person that you've got to fight first to get over the hurdle. Like Misty was the first silver, you know, uh, Aldebaran was the first gold, and Saya always has to figure out how to push himself that one step further. So I'm glad that they took the a full two episodes to really focus on Misty and the Silver Saints. Like, if they were going to focus on any of them, the three that they focused on were the ones to focus on. Yeah. Uh, just if actually, the because I'm actually very happy with how Misty was handled in, in these two episodes. But before we finish, we wrap up this particular episode, mind if I say a couple things that still bother me about oh, yeah, uh, go ahead. the, the, the fight sure. with the game? One, it's... Did you notice how fucking fast Sean just like, oh no, my brother is evil. We have to fight him. It's like, she didn't even think it twice. Like It's like, ah, big brother. And and then she, Iki attacks her and it's like, no, he has he has changed. He's evil. We must fight him. And like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I try not to pay attention to girl too much. I get angry when I pay too much attention to girl. 
Yeah, that, that's one of the things that it's not. Uh, yeah, I think we we probably get. I think that's, that's that's less. I think it's that that's that's another consequence of them having to cram so much into like six episodes. Yes. So it's I like know. you know we have to. So that, I guess that, that like that's another huge consequence. Like wait a minute, you know, shouldn't you at least have some sort of iota like feeling kind of like you know like regret or like something where you want to try to save them? You're like no, no, we're going we're going direct to the fracticide. Uh, uh, we could probably have an entire episode just dedicated to the bad decisions that we made, were made with girl here but well that's for another for another day uh that's one and the other one uh, uh because i i was reading the notes that i made on the episode and by by the way if you want to play a game and get super drunk on, on episode uh six take a shot every time they say together oh no we dead you died <laughs> <laughs> kids are right. gonna fail at one point. And we're gonna be like in a dialysis, in a dialysis machine. Let's like <laughs> fuck this. We're not doing well. Okay, well, let me put this warning out to people right now. We do not condone any of this at all. We do not. We do not. We don't. If you say anything at all that, that you heard from this podcast, we do not know you. We do not know. We do not condone any of it. Whoever does this, please for God. And if you do, we do not acknowledge you. You do not exist in our brains. Nothing. <laughs> we do not accept any of the responsibility for the consequences that could arise from this decision. Exactly. Hey, I have a drinking game that I will fully condone for specifically the, the Netflix series. Take a shot every time Misty gets naked. Because you won't. You won't drink. You'll be fucking sober the whole damn time. Because they took out the butt shot. Like, the iconic butt shot of Misty just deciding to, like... You know, wash the blood of his enemies off in the ocean for just because because it had to be as gay as possible. They erased my gayness. I'm yeah, very upset about it. That yeah, is actually the. Hey, I was just gonna say that is actually the worst part of that episode. Is like that was a terrible decision, and I hate that they <laughs> took that out. <laughs> like, like I I love this depiction of Misty. I Misty is is actually one of my favorite characters. I, I really like really pompous, full of themselves villains. And so I, I like I like Misty a lot. And so I was excited to see this. But like the most iconic thing that Misty does is just get butt ass naked in the middle of an episode. And there is that like uh like glamour what do you call it? Like boudoir shot where like he's turned where you can just see his butt and he's got like the water falling down and it's in slow motion. And I'm just like, how could you take that out? That's like that's the the thing that sticks in everybody's head. It traumatized many a straight young men when they were watching this because he already looks like a girl. I, I, I already, I think I said this. I said it before when we saw this episode. Saw this episode when I was when we saw it in the anime. Uh, my mom walked into the walked into the room during that during that period. Early early Saint Seiya original anime, they loved to show butts. Like yeah. Yeah, because there was a couple of Shun uh, showering scenes too that really did not need to be there, but they were there. But here's the thing: I think it's a weird thing. Like one, and I and and I will, and the reason why I lament that they didn't do that is because, that, like you said, like you said, I'm coming for you. He he was this pompous asshole. He's so full of himself. He's so vain. Now, of course, he he would take off his clothes in the middle, at the end of like believing that he killed Sam and be like, oh, I'm gonna be. I need to get this awful, awful, disgusting 
run St. Blood out of my out of my body here and be and be beautiful and purified by the water itself here. That's and you don't get that. He's just like he's just a he's just an asshole that's just fooling himself. It's like, yeah, I'm I'm I can do this. I'm confident. Like, but where's like the fabulousness? Because like that's part of it. It's like he's so fooling himself that he's that he thinks of himself as like the most beautiful person and he has to like get rid of this dirty blood of this other of this opponent. You don't get that, like you don't get that impact with him, like in in this series when we get when he gets and introduce him, it's like it's just like a straightforward fight, and it's just like, uh, like I get the idea that he's like a powerful, but like there's he was more than just that. He was like boastful and pompous, like you said, and we don't get any of that. But he's just an he's just a uh, he's just an asshole. That's like I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take care of this guy no matter what. I'm like, I mean, they definitely tried. They he was of of the I was gonna say three, but I guess Marin is technically a silver as well. Of the four silver saints, he's definitely the one that is the most like into the classist part of the saint structure. Like he says a couple of different times that like a mere bronze saint can't defeat me. You know, you're a lowly bronze, blah blah blah. Like you're not, you could never be on my level. So it's still a little bit there. But I think that it, actions speak louder than words. And like you said, like when when he just was confident enough that, you know, he had won the fight and he just decides to let like say a bleed out on the beach while he goes and like takes a bath like that is the cockiness that I, I really miss from this interpretation. But still a solid effort. It, and I've I've come to start scaling my expectations to be more in line with what I've seen already because with the first few episodes, I didn't have anything to base it on. But now that we're getting further into the show, we're definitely moving in a better direction now, I feel like. And I, I know that we this is still the Netflix era, but I feel like they saw really early on what they had finished wasn't working and they're actively trying to fix some of the things by having some of the more iconic things not glossed over. Like, so there's so many like iconic things that happened in the Galaxian arc that they just mulled over or showed it for like half a second. So I think that they've sort of learned from that and they're starting to move in that direction because we did get two episodes focusing on the silver saints, the important ones, <laughs> the, the important ones anyway. And um, yeah, so the, basically what we get in this episode is um did they so they got rescued by was it was it Moo the one that rescued them? It was kind of vague. Who rescued them yeah, was, from Yeah, Moose okay. flew in like like he's goddamn Superman. Oh yeah, that's right, because Kiki. Last, Kiki the last the Moo. last son of Jameer just starts flying around like whoosh. All I needed was all I needed, all I needed was like the the all I needed was the John Williams soundtrack playing. Oh my god, someone make an edit of that. I thought that they I thought they were going to Zordon's castle or Zordon's palace or whatever because they did the little light zappy things yeah um but what but what i was saying is the is um why they they said that Mu rescued them and that he took the other bronze saint somewhere else but they like kiki never elaborates on that he's just like yeah they're somewhere else but like why like why wouldn't Mu bring them all together for like strength and numbers like did Maybe they address it later when it, when they meet up with Moo again or with the other knights, but it just seemed really weird that Saya was purposely isolated on this beach all alone whenever it would make much more sense for them to all be together. 
here's the well, thing. That's a bit of a that's a bit of a consequence of they try to be faithful to the manga because that's what happens there. In in the original manga, Mu is the one that teleports them out of the uh, out of the um, out of the volcano. But he doesn't teleport uh, just the the bronze saints. He teleports the bronze saints and the black saints because it, uh, they were actually not killed in their fights with the bronze saints. They were just left uh, very badly hurt and unconscious. And what originally happened is that Mu teleported everybody. Both the Black Saints as well as as, as the Bronze Saints, so that's uh, for eight, and he was carrying Seiya. So the reason that he leaves him in the, in the beach and he gets to confront Misty is because he's carrying him there, but he gets intercepted by Misty. This is before they reveal that he's a gold saint, before uh, Kurumada decided to make him one. So uh, so it was more like, okay, uh, at this point there is no escape, and that's how the, the fight against Misty initiates with Seiya. And the other ones were just, uh, because of the power of his teleportation, because of he was running away from the, which was Mount Fuji, who what had uh, exploded, uh, well, no, the, the mountain where they were fighting that uh, Misty brought down, uh, that's what's done here as well. That's the reason why it was random where they landed, because Mook was kind of in a hurry and using all his power to teleport everybody out. So that's the reason for them being separated. But here it doesn't really make that much sense, because yeah. it, it only, he only teleports... Even though they do use the illusion of, of, the, of the bodies of the Black Saints, as we later come to find out... It, it, that we don't see that we only see four lights being teleported so it's it it was an adaptation of that but they failed to visually execute it correctly so that we can deduce that for by ourselves i think yeah because it, it kiki just kind of glosses over it he's like yeah your friends are alive they're just somewhere else and i think say even started to question it and kiki just moved on with the conversation like like nope that's that's all the info you get it just it was it was just a weird like I it, it felt like I, I don't want to get too off topic, but um I don't know how familiar you guys are with Power Rangers. Yeah, grew up with them. So Power Rangers Jungle Fury came out. The year that it came out, there was this really big writer strike in the United States and a lot of like writers were trying to unionize. I'm not gonna go too much into it, but basically a lot of shows got cancelled or had really short seasons or had really weird, like almost non-canon seasons because all of these people that are not professional writers stepped up to keep these shows on track. Um, again, I don't want to take sides and say if that was right or wrong, but with Jungle Fury specifically, um, because the these were all amateur writers, they decided to follow the Japanese um, Geki Ranger, which is what it was adapted from in Japan. But the problem is, is that they cut a lot of corners with the story. Like, it's essentially the same story, almost one for one, um, up until towards the end when some other stuff happens. But um, it's very one for one. But the problem with the adaption from America with Power Rangers version is that they leave out parts. So I was watching it by my... I watched several episodes by myself, and I was very confused because they would jump around, they would get items inexplicably, characters would know each other, that they might not necessarily should know each other. And I, I watched a few episodes with my friend, and he's like, oh, in Geki Ranger, this happens and this happens. And it's like, oh, that makes sense. So it's very similar here that, like, the manga, if you've read the manga, it would just click in your head, oh, yeah, you know, that's what happened. He mood dropped him because he was physically carrying him or whatever, and he didn't want to intercept Misty, blah, blah, blah. But we don't get that context here. So it feels it, it just it, the the parallel feels really weird with 
with the Power Rangers situation because like my friend who had watched Geki Ranger could fill in those parts that the writers didn't include, but obviously should have happened for the story to make sense. So that now knowing what Ben just just told me, it makes complete sense now why why this happened so differently. But it's still it's a little bizarre. But you know it, that shouldn't have that should have not happened first place either like it should be something that should have been specifically been told to the audience instead of like trying to use Decker and use trying to use something with the manga well on one hand i do appreciate them using more manga beats which is something i i, I, I alluded to back in the back when we were talking about the previous episode here it's like it, it's like here you're 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 using an element from it but not using it like you're, you're you're implying that you're you're supposed to use conjecture and knowledge of the manga to put that to put that together but that's not how it works. That's how, that's how that's how writing works. That's like that's more homework than you should be doing. In writing one hundred and one, you ha- it's like you have to t- you have to show not tell, or in this case, show not could put could not put together through conjecture. Yeah, yeah and it's it's really similar to uh, not to get too controversial, but uh, Kingdom Hearts three had a really similar problem um, because they it, with. The Pixar worlds, I'm sure everybody that's a fan knows, the Pixar worlds, they had more freedom and they could do more with it. But with the Disney-specific worlds, like Tangled and a, a couple of the other ones, they had to follow the movie story beats, like Frozen and Tangled. They had to follow the story beats of the movie. But the problem with it was, is they expected you to have seen the movie. And I understand that, like, 90% of the world at this point has seen Frozen. But that doesn't excuse the fact that if they're going to be recreating the story within the game them leaving out story details because oh you've seen the movie and you know like it's just it's bad writing and it it was especially bad in the tangled world but like they especially it's especially heinous with this knights of zodiac adaptation because they knew that there's going to be so many people that aren't familiar with the manga there's going to be even more people that aren't familiar with the manga or the anime so they need to put in that extra effort even if it's just a line of dialogue for kiki to say you know, oh, you know, he, uh, it was a big strain on him to teleport so many people, and, you know, the, he accidentally dropped you off here. Some, even if it's just a throwaway line like that, something to make it make sense within the plot line, it, it was just a lazy point. And again, we're, I don't want anybody listening to think that we hate this show because we're harping on such small details of this, but that's just that's what you have to do whenever you you're passionate about something like we we genuinely i feel i don't want to speak for everybody but i feel like we genuinely want this to be successful and good and it's little bits like this that if they would just pay just a little bit more attention to the details it would be so much better yeah and but i do have to say despite the fact that it still has these issues you can see the improvement from the previous ones Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Like this, this felt much more in line with it. I, I found it a little bit weird again that they made it be on a beach and they didn't have the iconic like he is so full of himself that he goes and takes a bath. Even if they didn't want to do the nudity, they could have like had him just go and like wash the blood out of his hair or something like in just like the undersuit or something, like something to what, what, reference that moment. Or just do something else completely different, like oh, you know, make it known that's like, hey, this guy, this guy is like, you know, this guy's bad news, or like make them, make them have like some sort of throwaway dialogue between the other two, the other two um, silver saints. Like I heard Misty, like you know, 
I heard that he um that he's so pompous of himself that he hates getting blood of, of other scenes on his body or something like that. Just a, just a throwaway line from someone else would have been would have, would have been better like that. Yeah, but but even even with that, I feel like they they really did have the upper trajectory with this. I um it it was a little bit weird the whole like finding out that I I feel like Misty was went into the situation knowing that Myron wasn't going to <laughs> wasn't going to actually kill Saya and was just looking for an excuse to fight her is kind of how it came across to me. Yeah. Um because like just all of the dialogue, at least in the the English dub that I was watching, all the dialogue he just sounded like he just thought she's full of shit the whole time, <laughs> which was very fun to listen to. But I I just I love how the the rapport that the two characters had because they neither one of them it was very obvious neither one of them trusted each other, and I just I thought that it was such an interesting dynamic and that they did it really beautifully and that it felt like part of. It felt like I was watching an adaption and like a, a an actual adaption instead of like a fan fiction, like the first few episodes felt like. So this is definitely a step in the right direction. Um, I did. I think I said this earlier, but the the other two Silver Saints I just named Daddy and Twink because there's the, there's the skinny guy and there's the big bulky guy. Um, so I didn't really learn their names uh, except for Morris because I thought that was a funny name change, but. Um, Kind of like we were saying earlier, I, I didn't expand on it a whole lot, but like Japan, when it comes to religious references, it's not as big of a deal. Um, they'll reference all kinds of different religions, whereas over here, I can see where people would be upset them using religious references because it's either trivializing their religion in their eyes or it's quote unquote being too political by having religion in it or whatever. So I can understand where they just changed the name. They still kept him parting the waters. They still kept, obviously, the whale motif. So they didn't change a whole lot about him other than the name, which was nice. And the character designs for them looked good. I feel like a lot of the Silver Saints in in the anime um, just look kind of generic almost. So these guys really looked like fully fleshed out and and nice looking. And so... I don't have a lot of negative things to say about episode seven and eight just as a whole. They were fun to watch. Um, the only disappointment thing is that a lot of the fighting was just different colored orbs fi- flying at each other. But yeah. th- I think that's just a budget thing. It, this is not the highest budgeted animation of all time. You, know, you would think you would think you would think because of how much time that he spent, spent getting the series off the ground and stuff like that. It is. But in reality, it. Kind of uh, like I'm, I'm very sure it is expensive, but I'm pretty sure too. It's like they have to use those, they have to reuse those animations as much as they can, like as frequently as as much as they can, because it's like they, that's how they're gonna save the money too. Like so, cutting quarters is a must at this. Point. And it's I think I just think it's a little bit more noticeable now because it's not as common of a practice as it was back in the day. But anime back in the day would reuse footage all the time. Uh, like uh, that's why all the attack sequences wouldn't have background things in it. It would be like swirling colors or like a specific set piece for them to do an attack for. Same with transformations. Same with like character intros and things like that. They they have very generic backgrounds so they can be reused over and over again. Like if you cut, I'm sure that if you go through all of Sailor Moon and cut out all the transformations, the series is actually probably only a hundred episodes instead of two hundred because they spend so much time twirling around. Um, but I digress. <laughs> Uh, but, um, 
Yeah, and the same thing with Saint Seiya, which is like Saint Seiya, you take away the, the part, you take away like the if you take away the parts where it's like they're putting on their their clocks. I'm pretty sure we can trim the episodes to at least a hundred episodes instead of one hundred. And then and tracing the constellations and like yeah. doing the prep work for their attacks, like where Hyoga does his punches into the sky. Like if we were to cut that all down, it would be much shorter too. It was yeah, it was so a trope. Like, it was a way to save money. A lot of these, not as much anymore, but back in the day, a lot of these shows were airing nonstop. Like the the la- the last show I I can think of that really has done that has been Naruto, where it's just like every week there's an episode. There's no real clear break between seasons or anything like that. One season ends, next week the next season starts. Yeah, which hasn't really been as big of a practice lately. So it made sense then for these animation cut shortcuts to exist and reusing footage. And I think that's why in a shorter series like this, it's a little bit harder to forgive because we only had 12 episodes and that freaking missile from the first couple episodes that got destroyed like four times. And it was the same freaking animation. I was going it's not, crazy. It's not, just that. it's not just it's not just that it's 12 episodes cut in half by six. That. But Netflix Netflix likes to do parts. It's still the same season. Yeah. That there's the same discrepancy with a lot of Netflix shows like um uh the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina is technically only two seasons long because yeah. part one and two okay. are season one and part three and four are season two. Yeah, it's recently, a, like, recently with Cuphead they they have to cut this, they cut their quote unquote first season in half. Mm-hmm. It's a there's a lot of things. But like I said, it's like it you, you like the reason why I brought that up is because like we have we have six episodes to simmer. You start to like you start. That's when it starts to become more of a. It becomes more noticeable once you like realize like the 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 real estate for new for new footage is is very limited. And it's like when you just use that to just reuse things. That's when things start to become a little bit more. That's when it becomes more evident. That's what I'm trying to. That's what I'm trying to get at. So I have a question, just because I, um, for whatever like. For whatever reason, the the Silver Saints have never really interested me. Um, but uh, what was his name? The Twink. Hound, Twink, Twink the Hound. Asterion. Um, yeah, has yes, was he able to read minds in the anime? I don't remember. Yes, yes. Okay, what? I I didn't remember a whole lot about him from the anime because he was pretty brushed over pretty quickly. But I just I absolutely love the uh plot armor that they give Marin in this episode this in the final episode because um you know he he's talking to uh twink twink and um daddy are talking to skater boy Saya and letting him know oh did you know that Marin has a brother that she lost too oh maybe she's maybe she's your sister just like taunting him and um you know he uses his last little bit of of power to free Marin so Marin can start kicking ass. And then he goes, Twink goes to read Marin's mind and he just can't for some reason. <laughs> like he's, he's like, I'm going to find out if you're say a sister so I can, I don't know, help resolve trauma. I don't, I don't know what he was trying to do. Um, but, some, some, get some sort of information. That's like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But then Marin was like, head in, no thoughts, head empty. <laughs> just like, <laughs> I was just like, what the hell? That was it was so weird and random. It's and like, it's like in cartoons when it's like like the Simpsons when like whatever that whatever it's like homework trying to think it's like and it's like some like dumb black and white cartoon where you play turkey in the straw. It, you know what vibes I got from it, and I I want zero hate comments about this. My friend recently, um, one of my best friends recently, sat me down. We watched um, 
this is before I got sick when I could drink. I'm not going to do it without drinking. But we watched the Twilight movies. Oh, Lord. And it really reminds me of, like, Bella being the ultimate Mary Sue. And, and Edward's like, I for whatever reason, I can't read your mind. And then they just never touch on that ever again. Like, why he can't read her mind. And just, okay, I'm moving on. And that's kind of what it felt like here. It's just like, for whatever reason, I can't read her mind. And I'm not going to question it or think any deeper into it beyond this. This will never be mentioned again. Um, ben, uh, Nikos, do you have any thoughts on on on, there, on these last on episode seven and eight? Yes. Uh, well, it, specifically talking about the fight between Asteria and Marin. Uh, again, that I I understand why you you would think that, and I would argue that in this particular version, it is a bit more the fault of the of the. CGI show because the, the way that they present it is that Asterion starts to read Marion's mind and she's like, now now that I've abandoned my past, uh, there is nothing that you can read or some stu- something like that that she yeah. says, and it it makes it make no sense. But that okay, that of him reading his mind and not being able to because Marion's head is empty, quote unquote, <laughs> is bec- that also happens in, in both the original anime and in, in the manga. But there. The reason for that happening is because because Mary now knows that that's Asterion's technique, and one of remember one of the core features of of, of the characters of Saint Seiya is that you cannot use an attack on a saint twice. Once you've seen it, you know how, it, how they. Once they've seen it, they know how it works, and it doesn't have the same impact on them, or they can avoid dead, or they can completely uh, null it in its entirety. So, but by, by Mary knowing what Asterion does, she uses her own. Uh, discipline to not uh, bring thoughts that he can read. So, so it is a bit more. It, it's not completely specified like that, but but it is stated that that what that's what she's doing. It's like I'm not gonna let you read my mind so that you know how I'm going to attack you, and that's what scares Asterion off because his technique has basically been nulled. But the way that it is presented here makes it not make that much sense. So yeah. someone yeah. like yeah. I love it though. Like I I love the randomness of it, but. It, it from a like I I I remembered I vaguely remembered like you were saying like you you see a technique once and you learn it because that's a very very much a recurring thing within the franchise as a whole and yeah um, so I also have to say at least at least with at least with with them at least with that with that instance they repeat it so many times in the series alone I think they repeated like other three or four times before before we see that so it's like. If you, again, it's one of those things where it's like it's one of those things where like show don't don't make us don't don't make us do homework to like remind us of it. Right. It's I just I made the meme. I had to. I, the second I I it's saw a great, it's a great meme. The second I saw, I was like, no thoughts head empty. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is applicable here. Because <laughs> it, like that's I just I can't. I Marin is such a great character, and yeah. I my fears of them driving the red herring even harder than the original series are coming true. And it's, it, I just, I, I've never liked that aspect of St. Seiya where they did the bait and switch of making it almost criminally obvious that Marin is Seika. And then at the last second be like, psych, nope, different person, just super coincidental and weird that will, you know, that we, our lives match up completely and our looks match up completely but we're not the same person, but whatever. You, you know what I mean? Like, but with, with them in the first episode showing that, well, I don't even remember what her name was, like Trisha. Elizabeth or Jackie or some shit. Um, Patricia. Patricia. Oh yeah. It's not me. It's Patricia. I forgot. 
but showing Patricia like having Cosmo abilities just makes it makes this scene even more painful for like a longtime fan that knows unless they really go off the wall and decide to commit to that storyline and you know not follow the manga, which is not what it looks like they're trying to do anymore. Like it's just going to be even more painful when Seiya finds out. And uh, yeah, <laughs> it's that it's my least favorite storyline from Seiya. The them just like teasing you that Marin and Seika are the same person. And e- I remember even as a kid, like I was 100% convinced when I was watching it, that they were the same person. Like there's no way they could do this to me. And then they did. <laughs> everybody, everybody was, everybody was like, no, she is his sister. And then it was like, what? When the hate is so, the when the ace came, it was like, what? Oh, God. And, and, yeah. and even then, like, I'm, I'm still wondering, it's like, what was going on at that time? But like, I, I guess we should. I guess we can cross that bridge in like two or three years when we get to that point at this rate. <laughs> well, that's uh, well. We have a good material to to get that far, so I'm happy with that. Uh, yeah. But um, I, I, I will say this: like, I really do. I like one of the things I did like. It's like, and it's something like that, that even in the original series, that I really like how how they they made her like. Like, I love how they did like the the abilities where she can. Fake out using her ability. I love that so much that she can fake that she 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 uses she uses her cosmos to like fake out everything to like make people believe in different things. Like she's she knows how to manipulate the cosmos to not use it for te- for attacking, but to like just like you know play play with everybody's heads. I really do appreciate that, and they do a little bit more of that in this series than they did in the, in the previous ones. Equally, but I think I don't know. I think they do it both equally. But anytime I get to see, anytime I get to see Marin fight, it's really really happy that they, that they that they kind of retained a lot of that really well yeah, yeah Mar- mario's an awesome character which by the way uh, leads me to one uh, gripe that i do have with with uh, with uh, one last gripe that i want to say about this episode uh in the original anime the way that it was sh- the way that uh, marion gets freed from her imprisonment with with the chains in the sea is that kiki is the one that goes and takes off the, the chains and then she comes to help Seiya before Asterion finishes him off in the original manga, Mary, uh, Kiki does not interfere. Marin frees herself by herself without any outside help, showing how badass she is. Mm-hmm. And here they had the opportunity to do the same. But no, they had to make Seiya be the one that freed her from the chains. I was like, oh, for fuck. Aren't you trying to make a strong female characters? You have the material right there and you just had to put it and you didn't i was like i know it is a very very minor thing but it really ticked me off (laughs) i mean i i made a really similar note to that actually um but and again i didn't know the the manga part but i was also like they could have made her a little bit more badass they didn't make up for it by her being badass in the fight but the thing that i thought was weird was that they did a little bit of a bait and switch there because the I found it really interesting that Seiya was able to think so clearly that he was going to use that technique. And then Twink got all like cocky. And it's like, well, I can just avoid it because I've read your mind. But like he was just, he did, he wasn't thinking about where he was aiming, but he knew he needed to aim towards the rock. So he found a way around that mind reading power. So I was thinking, as much as I want to see Marin be a badass and fight, I was thinking, oh, they're going to flesh out Seiya's like critical thinking and like thinking on the spot, and he's going to use his powers now to kind of 
confuse like he's gonna use his mind to confuse twink and make him not realize what he's actually doing and be play like mind games in the fight you know you know what i'm saying because like say yeah. always finds creative ways to win and that's one yeah. of my favorite things about the show so i was thinking oh you know as much as i would love to see Marin be a badass and fight i'm really interested to see Saya with this technique of him you know fooling twink into thinking that he's going to do something else just like when he freed Marin, but then he just kind of like flops over and passes out and Marin takes over and i was like that was that that was a cool opportunity they could have taken where i wouldn't have minded to change as much but again i'm really glad that they gave in such a limited series they gave uh one of the side characters such a time to shine they it was it was a good thing yeah that was my final thought on that just because i I love it when shows have creative ways of, of defeating stuff. Like, and um, it's I know it's kind of a shonen trope. Yu Yu Hakusho did that a lot because you know Yusuke was took long to grow into his powers. Dragon Ball did that occasionally. I'm I'm not a big fan of getting upgrades to defeat a like oh oh we're we're down and out. We need something, and then the miraculous upgrade happens, and they're super powerful and can fight. I'm not as much of a fan as that as in like. Like with the Aldebaran fight, like he had to really watch how Aldebaran moved and think on the spot, and he had to take a couple of hits to learn what was going on. And I just feel like that's the more entertaining route to go. But still, it was cool to see Marin. So I I don't want to I don't want to diss Marin, one of the only female characters apparently to the point to where they just had to have an additional female character. <laughs> <laughs> Any, any other thoughts on Becca's? Uh, uh, to close my my thoughts on on this batch of episodes, I actually am really happy with with these last episodes because uh, how to put it? When we decided like we were gonna re uh, we were gonna see the the CGI show so to prepare for for the upcoming season, I was I was kind of like oh god, I actually have to go through with uh, watching the thing that made me actually stop mid episode one and commit to it. But uh, but I was like okay, but I do want to see it because I want to actually have a critical eye on it. But and and you can see those negative aspects on that first batch, but you can also see how it is improving and how despite how can I say it the restraints I'm gonna call it like it the restraints that this that the CGI CGI show has. And that it hasn't been able to completely shackle off. But you can see that in spite of those restraints, it, when it's adapting the, the stuff that we love and that we like, and giving it, giving it a new angle, giving it a new like, it can do pretty cool and interesting things. I actually really love the episode with Misty, despite some of the minor grievances with it. And I actually really like this episode as well, uh, despite also some of the criticisms that I have towards it, but I enjoyed them, which is the, the important thing and the, the thing that has actually has me excited to, to finish off the season and with, with the upcoming episodes of the next season. I, it actually is giving me excitement to see what else comes, so I'm pretty happy with that. Um, well, as for me, I guess one of the, one of the things that, I guess one of the aspects is that, you know, we're starting to see improvement. Like, I think I, I'm going to echo what everybody said. Like, we're starting to see some, like, major improvement and you know, it, I'm glad it's like you know, if we're to take this like, if we're to take this how how we will distribute it. The first part of season one was just abysmal, but the, this this these next but these these four episodes, but these two episodes of the next season that we saw that 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 preceded part two of season one, it's starting to show so much improvement. And I get first time back way back when I first started doing the show myself, I made mention of the fact that. Um, 
I was more impressed with the second season than I was with the first. I felt like there was a, like I felt like they did a lot of the they did a lot they did a lot of things right. There's still some things that needed some work, but the, like you can clearly tell that's like like the, the the night and day difference between between part one and part two of season one, and that once we get to part two, and now that we're kind of like now that we now that they're kind of like in like now they're kind of like seeking themselves more towards the the manga. It's trying to it's trying to be trying to feel like, like not just the manga but also in, in general where the series should be. I think now now they're trying to play now they're trying to put things more together more in a more coherent manner. And that's why that's why I said that those the stuff like Vandergaard and the Black Saints and all that stuff. Like I can forgive that because I understand that like they were they they were really trying to like they're really really trying to like get to the silver to the gold saints as much as fast as possible. If they, they and if that that comes at the cost of like cutting up like the first twenty or so episodes of the series and try to and get get to get get to where we are right now, then so be it. Because I, I do believe as as much as I like the Galaxian War and some of the aspects that we get to see from it, um, you're not really missing much at all. And that's why one of the things that's like people are people. That's why one of the things that the um, one of the controversial things I've been saying on Twitter concerning Saint Seiya, especially since like it's now kind of like. All the kind of confirmed at this point that Franca Jasmine's character in the live action movie is going to be quote unquote Vandergaard, female name, but the, like it's going to be the equivalent of Vandergaard in this in the movie. And people are like, "Why are you going to do that?" Because because the honest, if you're going to cut out one thing, or you're going to try to maybe try to like condense something there to like get things to get get to get to get to the point, or try to get to, to get to get somewhere faster. I would I would that, that that's that that's the way you should do it. That what you, you by putting in Vandergaard. So I think that's one of the, that's one of the stronger things that surprisingly enough I, I will defend. And one of the things is like they, uh, that if the if they come if push this kind of stuff, I do believe that they, they they could have that they that they that was a good idea for them to like condense the Black Saints and the Galaxian. Could they done better? Yes. Could they done could they done some things differently? Very much so. But it like but the idea the idea of of it being right there was good. And now that we're yeah. now we're finally kind of out of that area where we, where we get the characters to this point, now we're starting to see like then now now less like you know like them making making these up on the fly and then being a little bit more coherent with their storytelling. Yeah, and I I completely agree that when you were saying that they obviously wanted to get to the Gold Saints as quick as possible, and we now we've seen two completely opposite sides of the spectrum for that because we had the uh, Legend of Sanctuary movie that we also covered on the podcast. You should go back and listen to that episode. It was one of the best episodes we did in my opinion. Um, but uh, we, with that, they jumped straight to it. And with this, they're at least trying to set up some of the world building and some of the background information before they get there. They, uh, they spent obviously 12 episodes to get there um, as compared to the two minutes that we got. The Legend of the Sanctuary movies done ways. Neither are bad. Both of them are valid. It's just it when it it depends on what your ideal Saint Seiya is. And if you think that the ideal Saint Seiya is the Gold Arc, the opinion of a lot of people, that's completely valid. It's it's one of the best arcs, like undeniably, like from just a critical standpoint. But skipping straight to that is not a the best way I feel like to get new people into it because there's so much that builds up to that, both in the manga and in the original anime. I'm getting a little off topic. Basically what I'm saying is that I, I completely agree that yes, while they did go through it quickly, 
I think it's I think it was better that they went through it quickly than not at all, and that we just started at the Gold Saint arc where everybody wants to get to. But that's kind of my initial feelings on it. Since I did the intro, I am hijacking the outro as well. Deal with it. <laughs> um, so we'll Fair just enough. go Fair down. Enough. We'll go down the line. Uh, uh, Benjus, where can everybody get a hold of you if they want to follow you or see what else that you've been up to? Uh, well, for now, uh, the the way to get to me is uh, through my Twitter account, which is uh, well, my username is El Benjus, and my uh, Twitter uh, user well, Twitter account name is at Mexican Geek 502. I love that. I love that so yeah. <laughs> That's how you can reach out to me. I tend to post quite a bit of it is my personal account, but in the last few years it has basically become a Saint Seiya account. So I, I tend to to retweet a lot of uh, fan art that I find online. I tend to put uh, put uh, not analysis, but I tend to put out differences between how scenes were portrayed in the original anime and how they were in the in the manga. I share information from many creators, mostly in Spanish, but what what, are, what other languages I can find as well, I do it. And I have a couple of things in mind that maybe in the future I can I can go into detail about. But for now, that's where you can find me. Yeah, and Twitter does have a, a probably what I've seen service out there is when you compare it to other social media spectrums. So it, even if it's posted in Spanish, most of the time you can still read it and and get the joke. And you can ha-ha-ha with them. And that's with a J, not an H, um, along with our Spanish-speaking friends. Like, I do my best to um, communicate as, as easily as I can because so much of the fandom is there. Anyway, off topic again. Ramses, what about you? Where are you at? What are you doing? What should we be looking out for? All right. So first things first, you can play me on my personal Twitter, L underscore Ramses. I talk about everything else that's not things there related there. I'm usually talking about, like, life either or playing or me ranting about like why can't i find a certain fucking item in monster Hunter? just talking about life in general or like you know like musing about musing about like um thinking out loud things that i shouldn't be thinking out loud like i like i think i posted recently you know what you know what the new dragon ball superhero movie needs it needs new metal just just go full on early 2000s american dubbed on dragon ball z on this on this sucker just just for shits and giggles <laughs> so yeah so you, you if you like dumb stuff like that you can find you can go to my personal Twitter at, at on L underscore Ramses. If you want to find out more about this show, you can go to our official website w, um, at, at scosmocast.com. There is no www. I keep on I keep on tripping on that. It's just cosmocast.com. And there's you can find information on our host, which I did right now it's just me. I'm trying to wait for information on somebody else, you know, <laughs> hint, hint. Um, you can find archives of all the stuff we've been doing. So far with this with, with this one podcast, you can you can find all the ways to subscribe to it. And I understand too. For example, I people a lot of people were were I know a lot of people tend to listen to these shows on, on like YouTube and stuff like that. But the website is a perfect way to like if you need to like listen to it right there like embedded and you know in a place can be where you can like listen to it like having on having on the background and stuff like that. That's the perfect website you can just go to at stcosmocast.com so you can listen to these episodes right there from the website. So if you like don't want to subscribe and want to just want to just listen, just go there and you can pick an episode and you can listen to it right there. And then, like I said, everything's archived there. Everything's everything should be everything should be fine and dandy right there if you want to if you want to like know what's up with the show and everything like that. Um, I also host another show called the the Saturday Morning Squad. I did a three hour 
marathon episode last night because again, this it happened between the stuff happened between the time that we were going to record and then when I got COVID and after COVID, it was news just piled up on all of us. And if you want to get like all of that 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 the, that juicy news and my thoughts and opinions on a lot of things, such as like what was going on with like the Warner Brothers Discovery uh, Discovery Channel like merger um, stuff, like what happened with the movie Bad Girl and what what my thoughts are, what's been going on with that, and my thoughts on like um, on, you hear when I hear my team's uh, thoughts on like stuff like on um, the stuff on, like, that was revealed at San Diego Comic Con. Like the one of the ones I was really hyped to talk about was I talked a lot about the trailer for um, Black Panther two. I was really happy about. With it and it was really and you can see a lot of my thoughts on that and so you can listen to, you can listen to that you can follow that you can follow that show's um, twitter which is at uh, sat am squad on twitter and you can that's where you can find the that's where you can find this show right there and we're gonna actually have a giveaway on that show because i got a digital copy of dr strange 2 that i'm gonna give away so like so be, so be on the lookout for that if you want a copy of dr strange 2 and, very nice that was very comprehensive <laughs> I'm trying, to remember, I'm trying to remember what else. Oh, yeah. One last thing. One last thing before, before as well. Remember, people, we also have we have an additional episode as well that you that you that I highly recommend you checking out. We have uh, we have uh, from Scholar Rhapsody, we have uh, we have Jared, and then from um, and and then we have a team from Manga Mavericks, and they were at the panel at San Diego Comic Con. So if you want to hear more in depth from people that are actually at the San Diego Comic Con panel. Please listen to the, please listen to our special San Diego Comic Con experience episode, and um, and you can listen to like people who were there at the actual panel and see like firsthand account what was up with what, what, how the panel was and their thoughts on the on the upcoming, the upcoming movie. All right, and I am Common Rider Furry. Um, I didn't steal the show away from Ramses. He just had told me he didn't want to talk a lot, but. Hmm. <laughs> I'm just I'm just messing with you. Anyway, I'm Common Rider Fur. You can find me on Twitter and and fairly inactive inactive Instagram at Common Rider Furry. Um, I recently just got banned from Twitter, so I'm cool now. Uh, I, I just got my unbanned notice last night at 9 p.m. Apparently, I bully people. Um, it was a joke. It was very clearly a joke. I just got caught up by one of the automated bots. Nobody was offended or angry. Yeah, it was it was an automatic ban because I said a no no word apparently, oh um, but yeah, <laughs> what? I said, oh my god! <laughs> I know. I I'm just I'm the worst. I'm the biggest bully on the planet. But I, I got that. Are. I got street cred now because I've been banned. Like you know, just like those Twitch streamers that pur- purposely got banned from Twitch by like watching like Naruto or some shit. <laughs> you anyway? You're, you 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 you're you're just as much you're you're just committed what is almost a crime. As people on on Twitch watching Morbius, right? Uh huh. Exactly. <laughs> Great equivalent. But I I also have my own podcast. It is on hiatus right now due to health reasons. Um, just for a little bit of transparency, I am planning on bringing that back eventually. It's just a lot of my health stuff is up in the air with this show. I I just watch a few episodes and I show up and talk. With my show, it's obviously much more involved because I'm the the main content creator and editor and promoter and everything so that takes a lot more energy out of me so i'm not leaving the cosmo cast anytime soon um but the timing of when ancient anime is going to come back is a little up in the air just because of um i don't want to commit to it and then have to take another like month or so leave of absence and then have another hiatus so quickly so we're getting that figured out 
Um, but if you want updates on when that's going to come back, um, in case it comes back in between episodes of this, it is Ancient Anime Pod on Twitter. I have one other podcast that is in the very early planning stages, but it has nothing to do with anime. And one of my friends um, and I are very much into RuPaul's Drag Race. So that is very Ooh. different from the, the topics that we're talking about here. Um, we're kind of playing with if we want it to be just Drag Race or if we want it to be reality TV in general. So there's a lot of format planning and things like that. So that is something that I do have in the works, too, for everybody to look forward to um, for that coming out. And yeah, so this has been another episode of the St. Seiya Cosmocast. Um, We've got all three of your hosts here with me, and we just all want you to remember to keep burning that Cosmo. Bye. Later. Take care.